your Bibles this morning. We're going to continue in our series in this uh, Sunday school hour on unpacking the Christian life. We're in Titus chapter 3 this morning. Titus chapter number 3, great portion that we're going to look at. And uh, I was telling one of the men earlier that uh, I, I enjoy studying the Bible. It doesn't matter what I'm studying. I have such a great time studying the Word of God. And uh, this lesson this week, it's been a while since the Lord's led me to, to teach on this very topic. But I hope it'll be a help to you. It certainly reminded me of a lot of things about my life and myself. And, and again, about some of the things we face on a daily basis. So look at Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 3. The Bible says, For we ourselves also were sometimes, look at these words, foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and hating one another. Boy, what a list, you know? Now look, look at that verse again. You know the key word in that verse? It's the word were. We were. Look here, how many of you are saved this morning? Okay, now watch. I know that the flesh is still a part of our lives, but understand that when God saved you, he made you a new creature in Christ, all right? Now, we allow some of that stuff to kind of come up in our lives, but understand that's really, in God's eyes, that's what we were sometimes, all right? Now, look at the next verse. He's, as we read on here in Titus chapter 3, he says, but after... In other words, before, but now, after, that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He has shed on us, another great word, abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified, now the word justified is just another word for saved, right? Okay, so being justified, we're saved by His grace, that we should be made heirs according to the hope of what kind of life? Eternal life. Now, when you look at this portion, and there's a lot of great things here, I want you to understand and keep this in mind as we go through the lesson this morning, this thought, that your life and mine has a purpose. Uh, we're not an accident, folks. We have a purpose for living our lives. There's a lot of people today, like, for instance, there are many secularists, all right, that teach in this world that we have no meaningful origin, we came from nowhere, that we have no purpose for living, we have no significance, there's no value to our lives. I mean, you do understand if I continue with this kind of list, which is a reality, they do teach this. That, that, that type, of, type of teaching and thinking really is hopeless. I mean, you know, if that's the case, if there's no purpose, if I have no value, if there's no significance, then honestly, why live? You know, why not just end your life? You know, it, it paints this picture of hope. Now, those very same people that say we have no significance, no purpose, no value in life, those are the very same people that say this, there's no God. That's how foolish they are. They say there's no God. As a matter of fact, they go a step further and they say that man is God. 
I mean, what, what they propose is that you and I would serve the creature more than the creator. And again, that, this, this is so against the word of God. It's so against what the Lord would have taught when he was here on this earth. Uh, you know, even culture itself. I mean, if you want to take it a step away from secularists and what they're teaching, the culture itself actually teaches, if I, I guess if I could use this phraseology, that we're really man is nothing more than just kind of a, a, a sack of meat. In other words, that we should seek pleasure for ourselves, that it's all about us, how much we can give, get out of life. It's about immediate pleasure and nothing else matters. I know you've heard this philosophy before. If it feels good, do it. That's the world's philosophy. Uh, there are people today that won't come to church because that's what they've given themselves over to is, is I just want to do something that makes me feel good. Now, that includes every area of life, but we know it affects people who uh, may, may find themselves uh, with some sort of addiction. And they, they find themselves going in that direction because it makes them feel good, and that's why they're going to do it. But listen, there's a lot of different addictions. How many of you like food? You know, I have to watch myself because I'll be honest with you, I love food. You can tell by looking at me I love food, you know. And, and the thing is, is that sometimes when things aren't going well, hey, that's a great time to just go buy a whole gallon of ice cream, you know. And, and we've got to be careful about how we allow ourselves listen you know the one thing that god has put within every one of us and i'm not just saying christians every person that's ever been born god's given this to every one of us it's called a conscience all of us have one now the bible does mention that your conscience can be seared that it can be numbed you know like i, I just it boggles my mind how a man could get up in the morning and go to a hospital and spend eight or ten hours a day aborting babies and then go home and have dinner with their family, kiss his children when he puts them to bed and lays his head down on his pillow and goes to sleep at night. That just boggles my mind. You know, it's like the person that, that came, a man, he came to a psychiatrist and he wanted some consultation and here's what he said to the psychiatrist. I've been misbehaving, doc, and my conscience is troubling me. He complained uh, to this doctor that, that, you know, he wanted some help. And so the doctor said, so you want something that will strengthen your willpower? And he says, well, no. He said, I was actually thinking about something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> he was wanting something that it wouldn't bother him. And, you know, a lot of times people do the things that they do. Here's why. Because they want, to, they want to live in their sin. They want to do things against the will of God. And they're looking for a way to justify the things that they're doing, to make them feel like, hey, it's okay that I do that. And that's why you see so many, even so many Christians struggle with this. Listen, I want you to see this. I may have included it in your notes. But we need to understand this matter of a conscience, all right? What is it? It's the knowledge of what is right and wrong. Now, I'm glad that I grew up, and maybe you did too, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I did grow up in a moral home. And I, I'm glad that I at least had a moral home. I had a father and mother that taught me right from wrong. But the reality is, is that even if I didn't have a mother and father that taught me that, God's given us a conscience that teaches us what is right and wrong. It's the in, internal awareness of moral absolutes. It's the intrinsic nature 
that God has placed within us that calls us to worship. Look at this verse I gave you in Romans chapter 1. And that, the entire chapter is an amazing chapter, but look at verse 19. God says, because that which may be known of who? Known of who? Are you seeing the verse? Chapter 1, verse number 19. So it should be in your notes. Because that which may be known of God, watch the verse, is manifest in them, in all of us, for God has showed it unto them. In other words, God's given you a conscience so that when we do something, watch this, we know if it's right or wrong. Nobody has to tell you. When somebody does something wrong, the reality is whether they admit it or not is their choice. But their conscience is telling them this is wrong. Or it's telling them that this is right. And this is what we see this morning is that you and I, we, we are more than just a body. And that, you know, if I look around this auditorium this morning, I see Brother Carl, but what I'm looking at is I'm looking at Brother Carl's body, all right? I see Brother Richie. I, I see, that's why we talk about when a person leaves this world, that when we go to a funeral, if, it, if the person is going to be buried, you know, their body is going to be buried, if it's an open casket, you see the shell of the person that used to be Richie Pistoia. It's no longer Richie because he's not there because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? Remember, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He died for the souls of men and women. You all with me this morning? Okay. Now, this is, this is great teaching, but it's going to help you to understand a little bit more about how God has made you. And by the way, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. But I want you to see this morning, first of all, that you and I are a three-part creation, a three-part. There's three parts to us. God begins to tell us in his word the truth about ourselves. And that's what you need to understand is the truth about who you are. Because, you know, secularists and, and the way people teach, they want us to believe that we are, are, are randomly evolving biological matter. <laughs> Folks, that's not, that's not what God has, has told us in his word. The Bible says God uh, took the dust of the ground, he formed it, and he breathed into it, and man became a living soul, all right? We're not randomly evolving biological matter. And so when you look at our lives, look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Great verse. It says, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your, look at these words, your whole spirit and soul and what? And body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, did you notice the three-part constitution that God just mentioned about mankind is that we are body, we are soul, and we are what? Spirit. So look, this isn't my teaching. This isn't what some doctor has come up with. This is what the Word of God has to say. See, mankind is made up of three parts in one. That, by the way, does that sound familiar with what the Word of God teaches about our God? That He is three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yet He is one, one Lord, the Bible says. So we need to see this morning that we are made up of three parts, but in one. And I can tell you, as you study the Word of God, it is nearly impossible to separate these three parts as 
they are, I believe, in, they are totally connected and they are interwoven. And here's why, because this is God's very complex design of mankind. So I want you to see, let's take those three parts. The first one, write it down, your body. Now, the easiest way I can explain it, I know you, you get this one probably better than the other two, is that your, your body is your earth suit, you know? Uh, you came into this world with nothing. You know, we, we sometimes call it our birthday suit, all right? Uh, it, it's your flesh suit. Uh, think about this. When Jesus uh, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, the Bible says that he took upon himself the form of a servant. You know what he did? He robed himself with flesh. That's why when people saw Jesus... Again, they didn't see the Shekinah glory, but there was something from the inside that was radiating out that people said, never a man spake like this man. You know, it's an amazing thing that Jesus was willing to take on flesh, and when people saw that flesh, they said, aren't you Jesus of Nazareth? They identified who he was. So when I see you, you know, there's Brother Jeff Hansen. You know, if, if there was no flesh there, it'd be hard for me to say, where's Brother Jeff? You know, but there he is right there. You and I can see that. The body is an amazing thing. The body is the suit that we wear while we're here on this earth. It, you know, now again, some of us aren't happy with our bodies, but I'll tell you this is there's a lot of things we do. We feed it, we rest it, we exercise it, we care for it, we nourish it. When, 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 there's, when it's hurting, we try our best, uh, whether it's naturally or through doctors, to try to heal it. When, when we're sick, we take it to the doctor. When, here's a good one. When it dies, the body dies, we exit it. But here's the amazing thing is, according to the Word of God, we continue to exist apart from it. Okay? So God's given us this body, and over time... What happens? The body begins to break down. Uh, I, I used to be taller, you know. I used to be thinner. Yesterday we went out to eat and we took uh, some folks out to eat and uh, Brother Kenny and Miss Becky w went along with us and I couldn't believe it. We're sitting there having a great time, enjoying ourselves and Miss Becky's got her little cheeks full of food, you know. And Brother Kenny's sitting next to her being a good husband, minding his own business, wasn't complaining about his wife never said a bad thing about her. And Miss Becky says, you know, Brother Kenny used to be skinnier. <laughs> she said, Brother Kenny, he didn't have to smile. She said, when I met him, he had dimples that were permanent. She goes, you can't even see him now. And I'm like, what is her deal? I mean, you know, does she not love this man anymore? I mean, I can't believe she's saying some of the stuff, you know, and, and I'll tell you much to Brother Kenny's credit, he never said one bad thing about Miss Becky. He just kept eating that food, you know, just kept making those dimples hide more and more, I guess. I don't know. But, but listen, the, the body ages and it begins. That's why the Bible says that in this, in this body, we groan. Anybody get up this morning and your body starts groaning and creaking and streaking, you know? I get up in the morning and, and man, I could hear walking all the way into the bathroom. You know, I'm like, is there a door swinging or something? You know? Look at the Bible says here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For in this, this body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from 
heaven. You know what the Bible's saying? Hey, someday we're going to exchange this old flesh for a new body, right? But until then, this is the best thing I have to work with. I can't go to JCPenney and get a new one. You know, I've got to deal with this one. I've got to somehow try to keep this one going. You know, my wife and I, we've been saying, boy, we're going to be kind of, the older we get, we're going to be a funny old couple. I mean, you know, every day it's me with something or her with something, you know, and we just, you, you almost have to just laugh sometimes at all that's going on. And other times you just cry, you know, but he says, Look at this. He says, for we that are in this tabernacle, in this body, we groan, we do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. I mean, I don't know if you ever really looked at that verse as well as maybe I did this week, but, you know, look, there's going to be a day, and we're going to talk about that, that we'll get this new body, but, but we're talking about the three parts that God created us. And the first part is our body. That's that earth suit. That's what I'm looking at this morning. But look at the second part is the soul of a person. Now, what is the soul? It's the inner you. If you want to write these three words down, it's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, you just think of those three things because, you know, again, what does the Bible tell us? Let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus. See, if we're a Christian, we shouldn't be thinking what we want. We should be thinking, what does the Lord want? And the will, boy, isn't that a, a tough one? How many of you struggle coming to church this morning? How many of you are, are truthful? A couple of you, all right? I didn't want to come, but my wife told me, you're the pastor, you have to go, you know? You know, that's right. I guarantee you, you struggle because there's a soccer game at 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is that my will wants to be at home. My will wants to be somewhere else. And how about this? Emotions. Boy, don't emotions get the better of us. We, I, I told Brother Richie earlier, I said, I, my wife and I learned a valuable lesson. You never want to go to the grocery store hungry. Because you always buy junk, and you buy more, and you get home, and you're like, why did I buy that, you know? And, and so th- when you think about the soul of a person, the Bible many times refers to the soul, now not always, but many times it actually refers to the soul as our heart. Now I understand there's a part in our body that actually is the human heart, but the Word of God, look at a couple of verses, Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your soul, out of your will and your emotions, and out of your mind come the issues of life. Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, the psalmist said, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. I like this little thought that somebody said. Here's what he said. The soul of a person is your thinker. That's your intellect. The soul of a person is your chooser that's your will and he said the soul of a person is your feeler that's your emotions see those are the things that drive us the soul of a person the soul of a person is the sum total of your inner man that processes and wills you forward and it does it through experiences and it does it through relationships i mean you think about how important the role of your mind your will, and your emotions play in your life. 
by the way, those three areas, the soul of a person, is what drives the body. See, the body is just the body. But it's the soul of a person that wills us to do something. Your soul helped you to come to church this morning. You know, it, it helped you to make a decision this morning. So you've got the three parts. And, and look, when you think about the soul, it's our personality. It's, it's what makes us unique. It's, it's, if I could say it this way, it's the real you. That's what your soul is. When nobody else is around but you, and by the way, and God, that's, that's the real you. You know, I look, I can put on pretense, but when it's just me, the act is gone. That's who I really am. And we find this to be true about the soul. Now look at the third part. You have body, soul, and what's the third one? Spirit. So let's talk about the spirit, because the spirit is the source of our deepest being. See, after we get saved, uh, actually, let me back up. Before salvation, the, the spirit of a person, you know what it is? It's really something that the Bible refers to as the sin nature. You know, we were like Adam. We were disobedient. Remember those verses we read out of Titus? Those words that we read, living in malice and envy, hateful, deceived, disobedient, foolish. That, that was us, right? That's that sin nature. That's what we were before we got saved. But look, that, in that state that we were in before salvation, to God, we were spiritually dead. The Bible says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And the Bible refers to that as the old man. That's the old man. But you raised your hand a little while ago and said that you're saved. So watch this. You're no longer the old man according to the Bible. Okay? You with me? You're not the old man anymore. I, and I know there's ladies in here. But understand, it's, it's all inclusive. You're no longer, according to the Bible, the old man. You are now the new man. So this is what we need to see is after salvation, the old man has been crucified with Christ, according to the Word of God. It's been put to death. Now, a lot of us, what we do is we try to resurrect that old man. But according to the Word of God, it, we've been crucified with Christ. And it, sometimes, here's what happens. We may not feel like our sin nature died, but look here. Whether you feel it or not, it did, according to the Bible. Okay? It, it, it is dead. And your new nature is something that is alive unto Christ. We're a new creation, a new creature in Christ. Your spirit and mine was reborn. It was made new by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says that you must be born again. Well, that birth, you know, Nicodemus, he wasn't the only one. A lot of people struggle with this matter of salvation. How can a man be born when he is old? Because it's not an act of man or woman. It's an act of God. God saves us, all right? So when we think about the spirit of a person, God's Holy Spirit, when we get saved, I know we all know this, the Holy Spirit moves within us. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He enables our new nature, watch now, the Holy Spirit moves in, He enables our new nature, the new man, to now experience and get to know God and the grace of God. See, before I knew of God, but now I know God. See, I had a head knowledge before, 
but now I have a heart knowledge. I have a relationship. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now that we're saved, he says, now we have received. Well, what have we received? He says, when you got saved, you didn't receive the spirit of the world. You already had that, right? But he says, now that you are saved, you receive the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. How many of you would rather have something from God than from this world? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely take something from the Lord any day over something from this world. Look at Ephesians 1.13. In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed. In other words, when you got saved, you were sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, it's a wonderful thing thinking about this creation that we are. We're body, we're soul, we're spirit. God desires for us, the spirit of us, to be led by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you know what He does is the Bible says that He will guide us in all truth. The Holy Spirit dictates truth. Now watch this, remember? Body, soul, spirit. So watch, here it is. The Holy Spirit dictates to our spirit and helps our soul, our will, our minds, and our emotions. He desires to lead us to be like Christ. Because see, while we were in the flesh, the flesh is what guided our minds and our will and our emotions. But we're, look here, that old man's been crucified. You still with me? But the new man is being renewed by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit who lives in us is guiding us in truth. He is dictating to our spirit and our, watch this, and my spirit, my new spirit, I'm a new creature in Christ, is helping my soul, which is my will, my mind, and my emotions. See, we, we still, even though we're saved, we're still allowing the old man to win in our lives. But he, the old man has been crucified. But we're allowing, we're giving deference to him in our lives. The Holy Spirit, then, as he dictates to our soul, watch this, then he dictates to the body how that we should act, how we should behave. Look at Galatians 6. Uh, excuse me, verse, uh, verse 16 of chapter 5. This I say then. In other words, if you are saved, you're in Christ, you're a new creature. Watch this. Here's what he says. Walk in the what? Spirit. And ye shall not. Look, if you're walking in the Spirit, okay, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is something that's a lifelong process. You, look, you don't just walk in the Spirit one time. It's a part of our sanctification, walking in the Spirit. It's a, and by the way, you know why we need to walk in the Spirit? Because every day is a struggle. Every day. If you didn't struggle before you came to church, I guarantee you somewhere along the way today you're going to struggle. It's a daily struggle. Before salvation, your sin nature was what was calling the shots. But now that we are in Christ, for the very first time in your life and mine, after we got saved, we now have a new nature. We now have access through the Holy Spirit of God to truth. And by the way, that truth is absolute. It comes to us by Jesus and through the Word of God. That's why we need to fill our, our minds and our hearts with the Word of God. Because watch this. The will and the emotions is what's going to drive the body. 
look, many times, you know, here's what we do is, we just focus on our body. That's what this world teaches is to, to do that which the body likes, which is please. Watch this. For a Christian, here's what we need to do. Don't focus on the body. Pay attention to the soul, but it all begins with the spirit. Are you with me? See, the spirit has been renewed. It's the new man. The spirit helps the soul, which is the will, the mind, and the emotions, that helps the body to learn how to behave. Are you seeing this this morning? Because I'm, I'm hoping that God's showing you like he showed me. So when we think about salvation, uh, or excuse me, when we think about what the Bible teaches about us as a three-part creation, we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. And we, as we understand that, then we can begin to have a total renewing of our minds. Now look at the next point here, and it continues with really the same thoughts, but hopefully this will kind of fill in some gaps. Look at number two. Salvation is a three-part miracle, okay? Salvation is a three-part miracle. Now for this, look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 in your notes. The Bible says, but of him are ye in who? Christ Jesus. Now watch, who of God is made unto us wisdom. That's talking about Jesus. And not only is he made unto us wisdom, but notice, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now let's talk about that because there's three words that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30 that are key words that we need to understand about our lives because salvation is a three-part miracle. Just like we're body, soul, spirit, when you think of salvation, it, it deals with righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So let's start with letter A, re regeneration. Now, what is it that is regened or regenerated? That's our spirit, right? So your spirit is regened at the moment of salvation. Look, it, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Well, how did He do that? By the washing of regeneration, by the renewing of the Holy Ghost. See, your spirit was made instantly when you got saved. Remember that old man, new man? And, and so this is what we call the new birth. Look at Romans 8, 9. Ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. See, the, where we focus is, yeah, but I'm still here. I, I'm, I'm still dealing with this body. But according to the word of God, if we, have, if we are now in Christ, the old man is put away. He's been crucified. We are in Christ. We've been regenerated. Look, folks, we can't do that. I mean, I know that mankind is, uh, there's some smart doctors and smart scientists that have come up with a lot of great things, but only God can regenerate us. Well, how does he do that? By the renewing of our minds. See, there had to come a time in your life when you understood you were a sinner and that Christ died for your sins. Look at Romans 8, 9. He says, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, not if any man, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, he's saying, look, if there's not evidence in your life, and by the way, it's not for me to say whether or not it's God that knows if we are one of his own. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. He knows his children by name. So we see that, that one of the parts, uh, parts of salvation 
this miracle of salvation is that this matter of regeneration. But look at letter B here. He says, if you look back at verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So regeneration deals with our spirit, okay? That happens at the moment of salvation. Look at number two, renewal. See, we not only have been regenerated in our spirit, but what has been renewed? Our soul. Because watch this, when I got saved, I don't, you ever heard the song, the places I used to go to, I don't go there anymore. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. We teach that to children, but that's the truth about all of us is that there should be a renewal in our lives. And what are we talking about? Renewing of the soul. Well, remember, what is the soul? The soul is your mind, your will, and your what? Your emotions, right? Your mind and your will and your emotions. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. Anybody getting older? Right? He says, look, our outward man, it's, it's, it's perishing. We're, we're, we're getting, you know, we're waxing worse, you know. But watch this. Look at what he says in the last part of the verse. Even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. Well, how's that possible? Because we're in Christ. We're a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See, look, there was a regeneration at the moment of salvation that God made us a new creature in Christ. But watch this, that renewal of our soul. It, it, we're renewed, it says in Ephesians 4.23, we're renewed in the spirit of our minds. Colossians 3.10, you put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us. Look, I guess I could say it this way. I am not the person I used to be. But it's, watch, it's not because I turned over some new leaf. It's because I'm in Christ. There's been a regeneration. That's one part of salvation. There's been a renewal, which deals with my soul, which is my will, my mind, and my emotions. Now watch this. Hopefully you've already figured out where this next word's going because we've talked about the spirit, we've talked about the soul, those are parts of salvation, but then there's a third part, and it's dealing with, write the word, redemption. And this is something that if you study the word of God, here's what you're going to find, is that when we get to heaven someday, we're going to exchange this old tattered body for a new body. You know, have you ever saw, sat and thought about, wonder what that body's going to be like? You know, I mean, man, I'll tell you, listen, uh, I'm sure the Apostle Paul, with all that he went through, probably thought it's sure going to be nice to get rid of this old rag, you know, and get something new. Look what the Bible says, Ephesians 1, 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until, watch this, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. In other words, God saved you in this body that you're in, but hey, listen, it's just temporary until we receive that new body in heaven, Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, and here, look at this, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Now watch, is this not true? Listen to the statement. When we get saved, most of us think, about what's happened in the past, right? We think back, for me, it's been almost 34 years 
that I, that I got saved. And we think about the past, but can I tell you, salvation is not just dealing with the past, it's dealing with the present and it's dealing with the future. There's so many aspects of salvation. It is not just uh, uh, that first act that we oftentimes think of, it's really a part of the larger work of God that He's doing in our lives. In other words, it's a lifelong process. Look at me. And it deals with our body, it deals with our soul, and it deals with our what? Our spirit. Now look at the third part before we're in this morning. And this is what I want you to see as we conclude. And yet it's just a, looking at the same thing, coming at it a little bit differently. Number three is you and I are God's work in progress. We're God's work in progress. I know that you're, if you're like me, you probably struggle day by day. But can I tell you that when you struggle, just remember this, that one day we will be delivered. One day we will be delivered and God will help us. So look at some things that God's given us when we think about this matter of progressing. Notice letter A, the new birth. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a forever event. The Bible says that we have been born into the family of God. Can I tell you this morning that he gave you eternal life? How long is eternal? Forever. You know what that means? Salvation is irreversible. You can't be unsaved. You can't be lost after you were found. Look what the Bible says here in John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Who gave you the power to be saved? God did. And look at this. He gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So, so when you think about this new birth, it happened at the moment of salvation. But look at the second part. Not only do we see the new birth, but we see a new mind a new mind. And this is through the renewing work of the Holy Spirit of God. This is something that is happening right now. It, you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and mine? He wants to change us. He wants to transform us so that we would be more like Jesus. Look what the Bible says in Romans 12, 1, 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Now watch this, look at me. We talked about the body, but remember what controls the body? The soul. The mind, the will, the emotions. He says, I, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing. You ever see a, a little kid playing with one of those, dies of the sun probably has some, those little transformers that are like cars or something, and the little kid sits there and he goes like this, and before long it's like a robot. And you're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Well, the Holy Spirit of God, through the Word of God, the truth, through the Lord Jesus Christ, wants to renew your mind. He doesn't want you thinking about the things you thought about before you got saved, because that's a part of the old man. He's given you a new life in Christ, and he's saying through your mind, through your will, through your emotions, he says, look, this is going on right now, but we have to yield to it. We have to allow ourselves daily by faith to allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. He says that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of man. No, will of God. See, the the body, the soul, see we, the new birth, he says the new mind, but let her see, the new body. 
See, one day this body is going to give way because we're going to put away the old body and we're going to get a new one that is perfect and eternal. You know what death is? It's just a step into a new body into eternity with the Lord Jesus for all of eternity. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verses 1 and 2. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, that's talking about death, okay? He says, we know that we, we already have a building of God. Look, it's already been created. It says it's a house not made with hands. Aren't you glad that someone on this earth didn't make your new body that you're going to get someday? It says it's a house that's not made with hands. It says here uh, it's eternal. It's an eternal body in the heavens. For in this body we're in, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. John said, Beloved, we, now we are the sons of God. He says, And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He, Jesus, shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Paul wrote to those in Philippi, said, Who shall change our, what kind of body? Vile. That's, that's the body that we have right now. He says he's going to change our vile body. He says here that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Look, here's the thought this morning is that you and I, are not who we once were. And what you need to do is accept that fact, all right? So salvation, yes, it is a one-time decision. But can I tell you that that one-time decision has given way to an everyday process that eventually will lead us to a someday completion. See, we were justified, we are being sanctified, and one day, praise God, we're going to be glorified. Hey, listen, I hope you understand a little bit more about the miracle of who we are and the miracle of the salvation of our God. And that all of us, look here, all of us are a work in progress. Now, if you're like me, this is a lesson and these verses is something you're probably going to have to take and chew on for a while. Because I covered a lot of material this morning but I'm going to tell you, when you understand this, you will not let that old man who has been put to death have any place in your life ever again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Pray that you bless not only this lesson, how important it is, but Lord, in this next hour, God, that you would help us to focus on your will, not our will. Jesus said, thy will be done. Lord, help us to have the mind of Christ Help us to not be led by our emotions, but be led by the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, folks, for being here.